755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real, everybody. If you're watching the game, one of the rare opportunities to watch the Braves. Man, I don't understand why. I don't have an answer for those who ask why more Braves games aren't on because some teams like the Cardinals and the Yankees, I mean, like, Almost all their games are on in spring, you know, and the Braves are TV company yeah. cheap. Yeah. Valley. Yeah. Uh, they, they do them all clustered at the end. It, you know, when they only have to have the truck down there for like a week or whatever, like today's game, for instance, they're going totally with the Tampa Bay broadcasters and their feed and everything. So it's not really costing them anything right. to carry it on Valley. But anyway, um, uh, for those watching the game today, I, I thought Ian Anderson is basically doing everything you'd hoped. He had the one bad outing, his first outing, and I think that was nerves trying to you know force everything, feeling the pressure last year. And his last two have been good. And today, I thought really that he showed what a difference that slider can be for him, man. Because it's not, it's not the twelve six at all. It's just more of a sweeper, and it really has put something in the back of those guys' minds, and it makes his fastball so much more effective. I think. Just having a different look, you know. I was, I think that his first couple of years he got by just being a different look, you know, kind of having a different arm angle, throwing the change up off it, you know, straight over the top. Hitters don't see that, yeah. much. But it, as each hitter gets more and more looks at you, you know, they're going to adjust to that. So I think it's kind of that adjustment that a lot of starters go through when you need that third fit. Uh huh. Having having like a deceptive, weird angle to you. You know, that buys you more time, but I think reality ultimately sets in uh, with every starting pitcher. Yeah, because I mean, the fastball is plenty hard enough. The changeup is obviously really good, and that makes the change. I mean, they, I, that I just thought last year the changeup was no longer as effective as it, as it had been because hitters knew they could kind of, you know, wait, wait for the fastball because he wasn't, and they could spit, they could recognize the changeup a little more, I thought. Whereas at his best a couple of years ago, he really was getting by on just heaters up in the zone, a change up at the bottom of the zone. And it was great because they looked exactly the same coming out of his hand. But last year, I can't, I think it showed you he really couldn't get by on those two pitches forever. Yeah. And even, you know, the first time they're getting those looks at it, they're more likely to chase the high fastball up, chase uh-huh. it down. Uh, it seems like the more comfortable hitters got with him, the better they understood that they their priority number one needed to be to get him in the zone. And if you're mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, kind of thrives on, um, you know, chase pitches and getting guys to be aggressive um, outside of the zone, you know, throwing a lot of stuff that looks like strikes, uh, you, you get to a point where now it's time to throw a pitch that, that either looks like a ball and comes back or is just in the zone and it's an out pitch in the zone. And that slider could do it for him or, or even yeah. fastball if he can locate it. Yeah, and as a result, hitters were waiting last year and, and making, like you said, get in the zone, and he was walking four to five guys a, 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 per nine innings, and that just won't work. And last year, the walks just killed him last year. So today, I thought even though he walked three, I thought it was looked very different than last year. Um, like I said, I, I, I thought he looked confident out there. It looks like he's been throwing a slider for years. You'd never know that he just picked it up because, you know, he's throwing it with command and uh, – I think it's going to be a good pitch. I think it'll be a difference maker for him. Right now, with Soroka, you know, still coming back from the from the strained hamstring, um, I I, I, th- I would give the edge right now to him for that fifth starter. But Bryce Elder's looked okay in a couple of his outings, but to me, Bryce Elder can, could stand to go down and and uh, 
continue pitching the AAA and be that spot starter to come up. Because last year, while he looked really good at the end of the year in those five starts, they were all against the Marlins and the Nats. And, and, uh, I, I think, Anderson has shown when he's on his game what that he can be an above average pitcher, not just a guy, not just a fifth starter. I mean, we saw how good he can be. So right against good competition. So I know that's the way they'd like for it to go, but obviously if Elder just outpitches him badly all spring and Anderson looks like he could still, he could, you know, he could, he could, uh, use some more work in AAA to, to hone the slider, then they'll do that too. But, uh, right now, I would say uh, Anderson probably has the the edge. I mean, man, we're seeing – and you're seeing it across baseball, all the injuries in the last couple of days. The Yankees, look, just look at the Yankees with their huge payroll. All of a sudden, their they're starting rotation, the two guys at the back end are like, who is that? You know? I mean, they're, guys are going down like flies. It's like you, you, when you're having this conversation about the fifth t- yeah. spot, it's okay. It's when you're talking about the third, fourth, and fifth that need to be worked out that, you know, that's, that's when you're in for a long season. Right. Freed's look great. Uh, Strider's look really good. I mean, he's looked right where you want him to be this early in spring. Charlie made his first start the other day. Looked fine. Uh, they're still waiting on Kyle Wright, but he'll get his start. And, uh, and he's, you know, he's progressed really well in the last couple of weeks after the coming to camp with the, uh, rehab and still from the shoulder are getting, are building up from the, from the, uh, from the uh, cortisone injection he got in the shoulder. I think he's going to be fine. He's had no setbacks that I know of and uh, thrown off the mound through a full bull- bullpen, through live face live hitters. So he'll, uh, he'll be in there soon and he's still got enough time to build up probably to stick him at the back of that first season opening road trip, which is a six game road trip. And you could always have free start game five on regular rest and have right go game six. If you want to go in that direction, um, and have him ready. But if not, then you could have one of these other guys plug in for a, for one start and, and give Kyle another week. But I think right now he's still got about four weeks to get ready. I think that should be enough for him. Yeah, it's plenty of time. See, that, that's what I thought. I think the WBC adds a little bit of time. To yeah. Training, so. Yeah, it adds several days. For certain guys, it's a, it's a good situation. You get those extra three or four days or five days, and it might be an extra start. Yeah. Guy that really stood out to me in this game today, it was just one inning, but – Pitched a perfect game. He struck out two. Nick Anderson, dude. I mean, if this guy's back to where anywhere close to what he was in those couple of years he had with the Marlins and Rays, he was dominant reliever for a few years there. A couple of years. He could be a big addition. If he's healthy, you know, I mean, it's. He's healthy right now. That's for sure. He's throwing mid nineties, dropping it as a couple of pitches. Got some nice sink on that. He dropping that slider in there. And it's a, it's, it's nasty, man. These guys were. They had no clue. They had no uh, idea what to do with him. He looked good. He really did. He's got a career two eighty ERA. Yeah, and look at those two years that he had. I mean, those were superb before the TJ. Yeah. No, it's just strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. So he could be a really big ad for this offseason kind of went under the radar one of those Alex Antopoulos specials that ends up being huge down the stretch you know yeah, his uh, he went 15 14 17 and 14 per nine yeah in his uh yeah in his few seasons that's um that's elite <laughs> yeah. 
the other the other one that the other really positive I think from watching if anybody's watching this game on TV is is just watching Grissom how he conducts himself out there. He looks like a shortstop. Made a nice play. I don't want to compare him to Angleton, but he made one of those plays that Angleton always made behind second base where he where he uh, kind of pirouetted and threw the first with a nice throw, nice strong throw. Went against a, uh, an elite hit, uh, runner or anything, but it was a nice play. He showed some range, showed a good arm, and at the plate, he, you know, he's got this guy's got good speed. It's deceptive because he's long legged, but he's he's shown some some speed today, beating out an infield hit and uh, and on a stolen base. He's uh, I think he's going to be fine. Short, I really do. Well, he's not going to stop working, and I don't think he's going to stop improving either. You know? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I yeah, know, it's tough because shortstop's that position you really want. You want a guy locked in, you know, all year long. But if if he has to have some growing pains in April and May, and he keeps getting better, and he's up there, you know, I think you just shoot for above average. You know, average, yeah, above average with his bat. That's all you success. want. Just make the plays at second or at short. Make the routine yeah. plays, and and I think he's more than capable of doing that. I think it's I think he's gonna be fine. And and you know what? He's got a chip on his shoulder, man. He's heard and read all the people doubting him, second guessing him, and uh, it's driving him. And that between that and Wash having Wash as his personal guide through this thing, it's going to be invaluable. I just think he's he's in a perfect situation to really uh, prove people wrong, and and he's confident. And also wants to, and has a little arrogance to him in a good way. He really does. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be all right. And obviously, you know, his, his bat's working out just fine. But um, he's got the athleticism too. But for me, it's like you just you don't want to have him be bad at shortstop or below average where he's costing you runs. If he can just get to average, I'm cool with it. Yeah. And I bet he'll be pretty damn good. You know, if he's not pretty damn good this year, a couple years with Wash. You know, yeah. this is his first, he just worked with Wash this offseason for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Trying I mean, two years with Wash. Yeah, he's going to be a stud, man. As long as Wash is around, they can, they can just hope he Wash stays around a few more years at least. And uh, this kid's going to be, he's going to be all right, I think. And I think he looks, I think shortstop looks like his position. I don't see moving this guy to the outfield. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it's early, but uh, he looks good. I, I think the Braves, uh, with three weeks to go, Snit is, you could tell Snit has done this a long time because he's not a guy that cares about which games are televised, which games are quote unquote marquee games, facing a WBC. He just play, he does his schedule in spring training to bring these guys along. He's not going to make a veteran take a bad trip. He said he knows there's so much time in spring training to get these guys ready that, uh, it might be frustrating for a fan that goes to a game or gets to watch one on TV when, you know, the regular lineup's not in there. But Snit's preparing a team for the season, man. He's not caught up at all in spring training. And, and I think that's the, the guys feed off of that. And they're going to be ready to go when the thing starts and they're not going to be tired. You know, they're not that. He doesn't overwork them. He's like Bobby. He doesn't overwork guys. Yeah. You know, that's an unfortunate thing. Just that baseball is so hard to predict injuries and, it just how spring training works. It's kind of unfortunate because yeah. you can't necessarily just wait for the lineup to come out and then grab your kids and go see Mike Trout. Right, right. But at the, at the same time, you know, as a manager, you can't worry about whether everybody gets to see your their favorite player play or not. Like you have a big goal of of getting your yeah. team ready for the season. But I mean, I get I get both sides of that. But yes, it's not gonna he's gonna do what's best for the team. And if you wind up you know, injuring a guy just so the fans could see him. It's that's not going to work out for anybody. 
And as much as the, uh, I think the, uh, the WBC is, 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 I love it. I mean, it's great for baseball worldwide popularity, all that. And really there's no other time people will say, why can't they have it like after the world series? Cause nobody would play if it was after the world series, but. I mean, especially no American players. But um, while I really like it and I think it's great for baseball, I also think a team like the Braves is in a lot better position than some of these guys that have like 12, 10, 12 guys at WBC scattered all over the world right now. Having only a few guys there and none of your really prominent guys, it's well, Acuna's there, obviously, but you don't have to worry about him. But Having everybody together, especially your pitchers, man, I just I, – I mean, it's kind of selfish, but if I'm a team, I don't want my pitchers pitching regular game conditions this early. I mean, I just don't. No, it's such a difference, Yeah, especially the crowd factor. Yeah. And having something riding on it, but it's such a difference pitching at, you know, 145 in Orlando or, where you know, Tampa or – yeah. Wherever you're at, you know, for spring training, you're pitching at 145 and there's 5,000 people there. And, you know, it's just yeah. quiet to you're on the West Coast or, you know, in Miami and there's 25,000, 30,000 people going crazy. Um, the adrenaline and you just you can't you naturally are going to put uh, more effort and more intensity into everything you're doing. And I mean, part of the point of spring training is to ease into the season and ease into those effort levels. Um, yeah. But you see guys, you know, maxing out. And once you see guys fist pumping and screaming. Yeah, that's an exactly. effort level and an adrenaline. The adrenaline just allows you to move so much faster. But once you get to that level, I mean, you're just, there's a reason why spring training is, is yeah. you know, the way it is. And man, of of all the people to be in it, I mean, it's the best player for the Americans to have, obviously, in there. But Mike Trout, if I'm an Angels fan, and I've watched Mike Trout get hurt year after year after year, yeah, I'm I'm cringing when he's when he's playing. If he's playing hard, and because I know he will, he's he's only plays hard. But he's just a calf strain or whatever away from you know missing a month of the season or two months of the season. You hate to think of it that way, but my God, this guy's been injured again and again with little stuff, you know. So anyway, I hope it works out for everybody, and I hope the I hope the U.S. gets to the final, you know, gets to that final round because uh, there's some heavy competition in that thing. Some teams really stacked. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Do you guys think that uh, is Dom? Dom A said, "Do you guys think there should be more concern over the starting rotation? Other than Max, it doesn't seem like there's a sure bet. Strider's a revelation, but that was just one year. Same thing." With Wright, Charlie's getting pretty long in the tooth, and there's a big question about number five. It seems like the whole potential for the season is teetering on some major ifs in that rotation. Thoughts? I disagree. I mean, if you you want to look at a rotation that's in disarray, look at the Angels right now. I mean, uh, look at the Yankees right now with two guys that are out for a long time probably or a significant period. You got a guy there. To me, Strider is not just a revelation. This is the real deal, man. I mean, that's just that's rare stuff that you're watching. And that's as long as he stays healthy, he's not taking a step back. I mean, this is elite. This is a guy that can set strikeout records. Max is obviously he's he's a rock solid ace type pitcher, uh, Cy Young candidate every year. 
Charlie, I think Charlie, you you're you can't judge him on last year because he was coming off the broken leg and he didn't really have an off season at all. This year he had an off season, his normal off season, and we're seeing Charlie look good. He's he's throwing some of the uh, faced hitters on backfield, so don't worry about the fact he's only made one start. He's getting his work in and he looks fine to me. Um, he's not at all a concern to me. And Kyle Wright, I mean, he says he feels great. He says his arm feels better than it's felt in years after getting that cortisone injection. So. I don't know. I don't think Kyle Wright is a, a, a 21, the classic 21 game winner, if there is one. I mean, he had to have a lot of things go his way for that to happen. But as Eric's talked about many times with Kyle Wright, he's got great stuff, man. Yeah. I, for me, Kyle Wright's just finally the guy everybody would have expected him to be. You know, if you watched him, yeah. throw, you know, how, how composed he is. Yeah. Um, I think he just has, he's a, a, for me, the classic part of his, the classic, um, growing pains thing where he had to you know find his footing in the major leagues and a lot of guys go through that but when i think about strider and Wright, especially you know it's not like they did it and you're watching them and there's fly balls to the warning tracks, right you know right. well-timed double plays guy gets picked off and it, it there was no for me there was no luck to any of it it was very convincing the way both of those guys pitched so you know strider blowing people's doors off you know when you have a fastball that guys just can't hit and everybody knows it's coming yeah, I don't worry about that guy. Uh, he can play around with other pitches all he wants, but that fastball he can ride for a long time. And then Kyle, just the way Kyle pitched and and the way he's grown the last few years, um, I don't worry about him at all anymore. And and I'll be the first to admit, I did. You know, his his first couple of years, it was like you could see it in his eyes. He didn't look confident. He didn't look composed. Yeah. He, he just didn't yeah. look in control. You know, he looked lost and like he was searching out there. But last year, if you watched him last year, it was like he was never not in control, even when things didn't go his way. So um, I don't worry about him. And Max is Max. And I think Charlie would be all right, too. You know, Charlie's at that point now where it's like one of these years, uh, nothing's going to work and you go home. But uh-huh. uh, at the same time, it's not like Charlie's all of a sudden throwing 90 or 91. You know, right. stuff's still there. And, and he knows how to compete. And the one thing you don't lose as you age is all the stuff you've learned and how to use that stuff that that you have. So um, as long as this stuff's still there, I still believe in Charlie plenty. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, this, uh, yeah, I think the rotation is going to be a team strength again. I really do. And Strider, I thought Eno Saras wrote a great piece this week in the athletic about can a guy survive and thrive like, like, uh, like Spencer did last year on two pitches, which basically he threw two pitches. That's all year. He threw a few changeups here and there, but not much at all. Um, and the verdict, kind of Eno's verdict was there have been a few guys that have done it. And he's such a, a, a unicorn in a sense that we've talked about this. Eric and I've talked about this. He came along at the perfect time. A guy who's under six feet tall, throwing with more extension than almost anybody in baseball. So he's releasing the ball lower than almost anybody else. And he's throwing as hard as almost anybody in baseball. So with the launch angle swings, man, it's got the effect of rising, even though it's not rising. It's not coming down at that same angle that other guys that throw 99 to 101 are throwing from six, four guys that, that are throwing from a much higher release point and guys with launch angle swings. 
can 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 are a little more successful timing those up. They they Spencer makes those guys look silly, man, and that's not going to change. I mean, they're not going to change everything they do for one pitcher because nobody else throws like Spencer does. So I think he can get by with the two pitches, and he throws that changeup just enough. I don't think he really has to 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 do a lot more uh, right now other than what he's doing. He's he's going to be dominant again, I think. You know, honestly, I think he could get by with one pitch. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's how much I believe in that fastball. Um, I, the thing is, is, you know, if you're him, you want to get to the point where at some point, you know, some point in your career, you know, you want to keep working and figuring it out. Because at some point, that 99 is going to turn into 95. Right. Six. Right. And it's either when that happens, if you've just relied on the fastball for that whole time, you're out of the league in a hurry. Because as soon as your fastball is not just tricking them anymore and blowing it past them, and you have to pitch. If you're not learning how to pitch and learning how to get better year in and year out, you hit that point where it's just a wrap, and you're home before you even know you're. You know, like you were, you were yeah. having another year of your career, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Fuck, I'm done." Yeah, uh, that happens to guys. But as far as and him being able to survive on two pitches, I'd give him at least three or four more years of being a good starter. I'd say that if he gets a third pitch, he can be one of the best in the game. If he's not with two. And that changeup is he could throw that changeup, and he he could throw it more as he needs it more. But I thought if you read the if you read the story, and and I, we've talked about this before, this guy is unique not only physically and just overpowering, but he is one of the more cerebral and yeah. uh, athletes that I've covered. This guy is really sharp, and he has studied. I mean, more as much as any pitcher I know, he has studied his mechanics, his spin rates, the shape of his pitches, and he explained why he, in effect, throws a few pitches right now with what he can do with those pitches that he throws and how he locates them, you know? So he, he's he got this stuff wired, man. This is not a guy just going out there and chunking it. This is the exact opposite of that. He is a, He's like a, a Greg Maddox-type cerebral guy with a hundred mile an hour fastball. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying, follow. I'm not saying it's Greg Maddox because he doesn't have, he can't make the pitch do whatever he wants it to do, but he could throw it about six miles an hour harder than Greg did for most of his career. Yeah. But I'm just saying he's that cerebral. He really is. You talk to him and you're like, wow, this guy's different. He really is. And, and I just think the combination, as long as he stays healthy, you know, he already had TJ and he knows he's doing all the things with his legs, getting those legs to be ridiculously strong in order to alleviate some of the pressure that he had on his arm. His mechanics now are different than what led to the TJ surgery. And I think he, he's really got that figured out. So. He's a fine man. He's he's special. He really is. I think he's going to be a great yeah. one. I, I think I would could. put his fastball up against anybody in the game. Yeah, yeah. Somebody noted uh, Painter and Suarez already gone for the Phillies. Already hurt. And Painter, man, you hate to see it. He's got the uh, the the UCL strain. They're calling it. So he's going to shut him down for like four weeks. But we know how often that leads to TJ. So. God forbid, because I, I mean, you hate to see a kid, even if he's on your rival team. This is a special kid, and you hate to see a guy hurt so early and miss a season so early. The way Freed had to miss a season while he was still a minor league prospect. But this guy's really special. I tell you, man, when I was reading about them pushing this guy and letting him compete for a rotation spot at age 19 with this few minor league innings as he had. Damn, I mean, 19? 19. He's six, seven. He's 19 years old. And look how few innings he's got. If you got it in front of you, look it up, Painter. He, he's thrown like, 
minimal innings in the minors. Unbelievable numbers, but I just thought it was really risky. They talked about how much they trusted him and all that because he's done this for so long at an elite level with travel ball and working with really, really big time pitching coaches. But I just thought you throw a 19 year out there in spring training and tell him he's competing for a spot in, in the rotation. He just, it's impossible for him not to go out there from day one, throwing with everything he's got. And I just thought that was really risky. I just thought 19 years old in this day and age with the way they're brought along this day and age, you know, it's not like it used to be and this guy. Oh, I think they're going to regret that not waiting a little longer with him. 19 years old. The thing about being 19, though, is this could be the first time his elbow's ever hurt in his life. Yeah, probably. It it could be okay. And, you know, it's like we talked about in the past. Everybody's got something going on. Um, I had some elbow trouble at 19, and, you know, I wound up having Tommy John however many years later. But yeah, um, I'm watching him throw right now, and, you know, it's a good good thing for the Braves that this guy is locked in. Oh, he's special. Because this guy's filthy. Yeah, he's six, like seven. Six seven, I think. Yeah. I I could be wrong. Look that up, but I think he's six seven. It scares me when you see a six seven guy that looks athletic. You know, when you see yeah. big goofy six seven pitchers, I'm like, eh, you know, he'll throw a sinker or something, they'll figure him out. But when it's an athletic six seven and the ball looks like it's getting on you, you know, it makes you think of like a DeGrom or somebody. Yeah, yeah. And to the to the guy uh, you were asking the question earlier about the the rotation. You got to also think they got a lot more depth than than most teams do because they've got a lot of guys knocking at the door, and we've seen two of them this this spring. The what, no major league experience yet, obviously, but I thought both Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd have been really impressive. Uh, they've impressed everybody. They've come along. They made huge strides last year, and I think we're going to see both of those guys up by this summer. Really, they're going to be in that group of guys that make spot starts. Kind of like Mueller got the chance to come up and Tucker Davidson did. Those guys could come up and the Braves use them. I mean, they'll bring them up for two or three starts and throw them right in the fire. And they, they will with these guys. They're getting, they're seeing in the spring what they need to see from them to have the confidence to, they'll send them down AAA. They'll be in the rotation and, uh, and they won't hesitate to bring them up when they need either of them. I thought both of them have looked really good. Dodd's probably got a little better stuff. Um, and so somebody asked about the upside. I don't know. I maybe died, but it's it's really hard to know at this early. But they've both really impressed. So that's uh, that's been a real good development to see both of those guys. I haven't gotten to see um, either one of them throw yet. Yeah, they're they're impressive. Both of them. Dodd, you could even use in a bullpen too if you need a bullpen guy, because they've also done that with guys like Max Freak. That's how they broke him in, using him out of the bullpen early on. I mean, they'll you know most pitchers will tell you after a few years, a couple of years in the upper minors. Uh, a lot of them tell you they learn more pitching, you know, a few innings here and there in the, in the, in the big leagues than they will pitching every fifth day in the minors after a certain point, you know? Yeah. Well, you still get, you know, two, sometimes you get a three, sometimes you get a four, but you still get a little bit longer outings. You know, it's, it's one thing it's, it's bad for me when teams, ha- unless it's like for a playoff push or you right. actually put them right. on your playoff roster. Um, when you just bring them in for matchups, like one or two hitters, and then they sit for a week, I don't right? Think they get oh, yeah. Much out of that. That's just throw your best stuff up there and see if it's good enough. But yeah, when when the guys get to come in, you know, it's, you're up big or down big, and they get you get three or four innings out of the bullpen. Yeah, you know, even if it's mop up, it's still like it's a start they wouldn't have gotten if they weren't in your bullpen. They'd be down in the minors just waiting for their position, and and your major league bullpen would be getting beat up. So yeah. Anytime you can get those guys that experience, you know, I mean, for me, I've, I've said it a lot, but 
the biggest hurdle is just the bright lights. So mm-hmm. any exposure you can get these guys to being on TV, being in front of 40,000, playing in the, you know, with the third, third uh, row of seats, you know, that, that third deck. deck. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can get that going and, and break guys into that. Then when you call them up to make yeah. their spot start or their real start, they're going to be that much more comfortable and they'll have seen it before. Yeah, because Freed, that first year, they used him in the bullpen, and uh, he made a relief appearance in that postseason against the Dodgers, and he said he couldn't feel his legs when he went out there you know, at Dodger Stadium. So yeah. by the time he was ready to be the rotation guy, uh, regular rotation guy, he had got that all out of his system. He was ready to go from the jump on day one as a full-time starter. And... You know, you got a, when you got a great arm, and, and if you have right now, this bullpen isn't a isn't a bullpen that's going to need those guys. But it, but we know how that goes. There's going to be guys that get hurt. There always are. Yeah. So you need to have a guy that can go two, three innings, man. And and they really they've only got about one guy like right now in the bullpen that can do that. And McHugh can do it, obviously, but you don't want to have to use him in that role. But um, you want to have a guy, Jackson Stevens, if he's in there, but I don't know if he's even going to be in there. So you want to have a guy, like you said, that can eat innings because you don't want to beat your bullpen up if you're, you know, down six runs or you know, down 10 runs or whatever. You got to get through a game. No, and it's, just, it's such valuable experience. Um, any update on Soroka's progress? Uh, he's getting there. I mean, he's off. He's been off a mound, all that. They're just being extra careful. I think the fact that he's taken so long is more a sign of they've been down this road with Soroka so many times. They don't want any setbacks. There's no rush to get him in the opening day. You could tell like the second week that he'd been out, Snitker from his responses. You could tell they had already decided, okay, we're not aiming for opening day anymore. We're going to let him just ease into this thing, not compete, not feel like he has to go out and make up time competing for the fifth starter spot. We're moving on from him for fifth starter to open the season. Now, that doesn't mean he might not be in there by the end of April, but I think they wanted him to know, take your time, get 100%. Don't try to come back with that thing still hurting at all. Don't tell us, yeah, I'm ready to go because you're not going to be the fifth starter to open the season. I think that probably that probably was a relief for him so now he can get back to 100%. They can't have him out there favoring that thing at all. They want this guy to be, I know everybody's tired of hearing it, but they want him to be fully ready to go when they do get him back up here. That's why they shut him down last year when his elbow was a little sore. You know, They want him to be 100% when they get him in there so they can look behind him and not have to worry about this stuff, put it behind him and not have it nagging this thing, this thing, because you're favoring this or that. They want him to be ready to roll when they when they when they do bring him up here. So he's not going to be in there. He's not going to be the fifth starter to start the season, but he's making progress. This is not something that's a big setback at all. Isn't it a funny thought, Mike Soroka, fifth starter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, what other scenario would you ever even be having a discussion of if he's going to be your fifth or not? You know, I mean, the guy's yeah. ace. But these injuries have just stacked up on him over the last couple of years, and he's in this position now. But you know, I think that's that's got to be your focal point is having him come back at a hundred percent. And even if he's not ready till June or July, yeah. whatever it is, like you have to be as patient as possible with him because if he comes back right, yeah, he's a, he's a one or two. Oh you know, yeah, staff already has a couple ones and twos. And, and and the thing they also look at is it's easy to forget how young this guy is. He's 25. Yeah. That's like when Freed was breaking in, you know? I mean, he just came up so early that it's hard to, to wrap your brain around the fact because he's missed three seasons, basically. He's still 
is still not even in his prime or, you know, he's getting there as a pitcher, but he should have a lot of years left. And the Braves are looking at this in the big picture, man. They're playing the long game with Soroka because it doesn't do him any good to rush him back. They've spent all this money on rehabbing him. He's spent all this time rehabbing. They obviously know him personally as well as they know anybody. They know what kind of guy he is. They know he's the rare guy that can get through all this and not become depressed and just give up. They know he's going to keep fighting through this, and they think that when they do get him back, he can be, like you said, special. Even though a lot of people have given up on him, they haven't. And even though nobody's come back from two Achilles stairs as a pitcher – the, the, the thing about that is nobody's really had the chance to it's technology, medical technology and all that. And just the freak nature of doing it twice at such a young age, because if somebody did it before, they were old and they did it a second time. They're like, oh, I'm ready to take it to the house anyway, you know, but this is a young guy. So really can't go on precedent with the, with this. I, I don't think that that's I, I went from thinking there's no way he's coming back from a twice torn Achilles to thinking he really can't do it. I really think this guy's the rare guy that that can overcome all this stuff. We'll see. Still got to make it back, but uh, they obviously believe in him. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't see what you know. He's got a the late hamstring, pulled strained hamstring or whatever right now, right? I don't yeah, strained ham, strained hamstring. Like physical. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just will that joint hold up or not, or will that tendon hold up or not? I don't. It's not at this point. It's not like. And it's going to did in any activities for me. It's I think he's doing it. I mean, I think he's showing you can do it right now. It's just yeah, that's that he has this damn hamstring. But right. I mean, and it was so I know the overall ERA and those in those rehab starts wasn't great. But just look at the two or three games where he had where he was dominant. He showed right there that he yeah. can do it. I know those are minor league hitters. But as Eric has, has explained, that can be tough for sometimes in facing big league hitters. They're so aggressive going out there and just <laughs> trying to do something against this yeah. guy. So like, let me get ahead here. And it's just a laser in the gap. Right. Shit. So he's swinging. Oh, they're all swinging first pitch. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Matt Olson, the guy says, Robert G says, Matt Olson looks really good. Feels like a big breakout season with all the Freddie stuff behind him. I agree. Um, and, and you know, those who know Matt Olson have seen him play before, know he's a, this is a stud. I mean, this is people that compare him to Freddie. That's not fair. Freddie's one of the best two or three hitters of the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. Freddie's that good, but this guy's pretty special too. This is an all-star first baseman who can hit for more power than Freddie. I mean, he could hit 40 home runs this year. Um, you know, he's not going to hit for Freddie's average, but this is a really special bat, uh, sp- really special player. And last year we didn't see the re- the real him defensively either, and he couldn't even explain some of those catches that he missed. But this spring we're seeing a relaxed Matt Olson. He's had the year under his belt of playing at home, all the pressure that goes with that, and. I think we're we're seeing the real Matt Olson now, and he said he's looked great this spring. He's looked great, he's hitting the ball hard, hitting the ball over the fence, hitting it to the gaps. He's looked really good, and he seems so relaxed in the clubhouse too. Uh, not that he wasn't last year, but he's just not everybody is an extrovert's going to come in from day one. You know, it feels so comfortable, but he really looks comfortable in that clubhouse now. Yeah, I think just you know the it's always awkward the first. I wouldn't say awkward, but you know, it's like if you go hang out with a new group of guys, you get invited to a new poker night. You're not going to show up and just be the funny guy. Mm-hmm. Some, some guys try and they and they are the first day, but for most personalities, it takes guys 
a minute to get to know the group. And then you have all the outside pressure. You're answering questions with the media. You know, you have fan expectations. You have your own expectations. It's a different weight room. You know, your whole routine's thrown off. And it just takes time to get comfortable. And especially, you know, if you get off to a bad start, so yeah. much of it is just like how you initially start. You know, if, if you just have tear up the first month, um, you, you might be good to go. But if you get off to a really bad one, it might take you a whole year to finally get comfortable. And there's nothing like that hard reset of an off season and then coming to spring training the next year. And you already know everybody and it's just focus on baseball and, and not do any distractions and also not be, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, if, if you're a new guy, it's like, there's so many more interviews and, and TV yep. time and all this extra stuff you have to do to get your, you know, just you have to get it out of the way almost. And then once you're just one of the guys, you know, you're talking to the press when when you have a big game or a bad game, but not every day, no matter what. And then there's no, yeah. you know, Freddie comparison or anything like that. It's it's just it's really easy to get distracted and it takes time to get comfortable with a new organization. And, and just to kind of underscore that and to let people know last year, so all that was magnified by the fact that until spring training started, the Braves, uh, the players themselves were still hoping the team was going to re-sign Freddie. Yes. And there was still a lot of people, myself included, thought there was really still a chance they would. Now, that chance was diminished as it went on and on. But when we went to spring training, they literally still thought or hoped that Freddie was going to re-sign. They were holding out hope. So yep. on top of all what you were saying about Olsen, they they – they pivot from trading uh, uh, from re-signing Freddie to pulling off this trade out of the blue. I mean, at that point, nobody saw this trade happening right then when it did. So all of a sudden they've made this trade without even announcing that they're moving on from Freddie. So this is a guy and this is spring training had already begun. Remember, because it was delayed by the lockout. So yep. you got a guy that's thrust into a three and a half week spring training with new guys who are got to move on from. They no longer have their leader. And here's the guy that's replacing him. And it's nice as he is. Everybody loves the guy. He's really nice. Matt Olson's a really nice guy. But he like like you said, he had to do interviews every day because every not day. only is not only is he the guy replacing Freddie, he's from Parkview High School here in Atlanta. So you added all the hometown stuff on top of it, add on to it that he couldn't say no to anybody, the nicest guy in the world. So everybody that requested an interview, he obliged with a smile on his face. So nobody even felt like they were they were putting him out, but they were. But he was answering questions every single day while yeah. we were at camp, and then when the season began at all the home games. And you're coming from Oakland, where it's just right. Su- Susan Sluster and one, right. one camera. You know, I mean, exactly. There's not a lot uh, of questions to answer out there, and and there's not a lot of hype around the team. Uh, you know, even though they perform pretty well every year, it's just it's not that kind of climate. Um, so, I mean, a big adjustment, and then getting traded late. You know, you one of the main things you can do when you go to a new organization is get down there early. Yeah, and you just start chipping away at all the people you got to meet and, and getting comfortable with some coaches and some yeah. players and finding some teammates you like and seeing what guys you want to be around. You know, all at once is tough, and he just you know and he had three have, weeks to do it. Yeah, no time. Uh, Cam wanted us to, and then he got off to a good start. By the way, he but remember there were tons of doubles. He was like on his ridiculous doubles pace, which he never had. He's not a speed guy at all. 
but he wasn't hitting the ball out. So everybody's comparing him to Freddie going, yeah, Freddie would have hit it out there. Freddie would have knocked those two guys in. So, you know, he wasn't getting many RBI opportunities. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so even though he had a ton of doubles early, it wasn't until later when he started hitting the ball out. Uh, and then he had that dreadful, his worst slump of his career late in the season for like a month before he turned it on again those last couple of weeks before the uh, postseason. Anyway, what was that? No, Cam, Cam wanted what? Cam wanted us to uh, invite some people up on stage to ask some questions. Go ahead, man. There's, Do it. Uh, there we go. Lucas T. What's up, Lucas? Uh, between the the two uh, Andersons on the spring training roster, Nick and Ian, who do y'all think is more likely to make the opening day roster? Well, I talked about Ian. I think Ian's probably the fifth starter right now over Elder. So I would probably go with Ian. But I also watched Nick Anderson again today. And I don't really know. I mean, he's got options. That's the only reason you'd keep him off the opening day roster. But right now, if he pick, keep pitching like this, I think Nick Anderson's almost got to make the opening day bullpen. Um, I, as much as I hate to say it, Jesse signed a minor league contract, so they don't have to have him on the opening day roster. They could have him go to AAA for a while. Jesse's got knocked around a couple of his outings. So you could go with Nick over Jesse or one of the other guys. But I don't know. There's still a lot of time. But right now, if you ask me, I'd say Nick, but I really, I mean, Ian, I'd say, but I, but I think both of them are, have a really good chance to be on the opening day roster. roster. Yeah. Yeah Nick, yeah. Nick Anderson just has always seemed, I was shocked when we got him at the value that we got him at because he just always seemed like he was really effective for the race. And so, yeah, uh, he had one bad year, you know, undervalued. mentally, mentally trying to get past the TJ and all that. It took him a while. Yeah, thank y'all and y'all and yep. the Braves. So Rico B. Rico B. Rico Cardi. Rico Cardi on the phone. Hey guys, hey, thank you for uh, taking the question. I really just wanted to be able to ask you, um, especially Eric, Kyle Wright and his further development. For me, I, I think he has one of the nastiest curveballs in the game, and I love how he's gone more to that two seamer. Instead of the four seamer, where you know it really wasn't working out for him, what do you think would be kind of the next level of his progression? We talked about having some things go his way last year. Yeah, I wasn't really talking about so much as getting luck in the field. I was talking about run support because to get 21 wins, you have to have a lot of run support. You know what I mean? I mean, Max Freed had like 15 wins or whatever it was last year and uh, finished second to Cy Young or 17 wins. But if he'd have had, you know, uh, Kyle Wright had like best run support in the league or among top three for most of the years best. So that's more what I meant. But as far as getting a look in the field and everything, no, he just, he was legit. So I, I'm with Eric. I don't think he has to change much. It was just more mentally getting away from, you know, they had that analytics changed a lot of what he did when he first came up. And once he got back to being himself, what he was in college and then working with a, you know, a, a, a mental strength coach or whatever you want to call him about his about his, his confidence and all that he just put it all together in that second half of the 21 20 2021 season in triple a and when they brought him up for that world series those two appearances he was a different guy so yeah he's what like eric said he's what you expected him to be coming out of college now um i i don't think he has to do much different keep honing what he's got that repertoire he's got yeah, uh, if if I'm him, I'm just looking at what I did last year and probably for the rest of my career just trying to do that same thing. Just stay healthy, man. Yep. 
Let's see if we got anybody else. He's a big guy. He's he's another one of those guys that people don't realize because he looks so. Um, he kind of looks unassuming. He's got a he's got a kind of a baby face, or, or you know. But people don't realize how big he is. He's a big dude, man. Kyle Wright's like six five, six four, six five, and he's solidly built. Got a perfect pitcher's body. Yeah, he can move too. You know, he's athletic. Yeah, yeah. Something I like. I, I always worry. You know, the goofier a guy looks, the more I worry they're going to get hurt. <laughs> Yeah, he and Max can really move. They're both really athletic, but he's a lot bigger than Max as far as just yeah. like shoulder width and that kind of thing. They're about the same yeah. height, but he's he's probably 20, 30, 20, 25 pounds heavier than Max. Yep. Yeah. I don't see anybody else, so we can probably just wrap up. Somebody asked Pilar, White, or Hilliard if we can only go up north with one who is the favorite right now. Tough to say, man. I mean, um, I think a lot of that – in left field depends on whether you need a, a platoon, which I think that the hope is that they don't. So it changes. If you're not going with a straight platoon, that changes what you need out there. Um, I like Pilar. I think he's, I think if he's, if you're not you're looking at a straight platoon guy, he's a good guy to have because he's been around so long. He's hard nosed guy can come off the bench and play. A couple of positions and get you a base hit or, you know, just plug him in. He's not going to be, you know, he's got experience, a lot of experience, a lot more than, say, Eli White. Um, Eli White has impressed, though, but it's been, you know, early in spring training. If you look at his major league numbers, they're not very good, but uh, he has impressed. Eli White's a really athletic guy, can really run and play the outfield. But uh, like I said, if you don't have to have – a, a straight platoon and left. I, I, I pretty much, I think Pilar is probably uh, your guy. I know Snit loves him, the kind of get, player that he is, but it's early. That could change in another couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, I, I, if I had to pick one right now, it might be him. We'll see. Good depth, though. I mean, they're all, they're all, they're all solid and uh, they can all do things for you. But the hope is that you will not need. You will not need to have a straight platoon because we're I think seeing there's always a fact because AA was with the Blue Jays for a bit, you know. So I think there's there's always that factor of yeah, with just kind of rooting for an old guy to find that magic again and haven't seen him up close and what he's capable of. Rosario is just looks so much better than last year. I mean, and, and and we should we knew that would be the case probably because of the eyes, you know, he's yeah, he was the season. It's just a lost season. He he hurt his eye in spring training. He, he it was just when he came back he couldn't get find a groove he missed too much time probably was still adjusting to the eye, after the eye surgery but he's looked a lot better this spring and the hope is that he can if he's if he's regular Eddie Rosario he's not going to be new straight platoon you might you might need still have a guy make some starts against left-handers, particularly tough left-handers or bad matchups, but you're not going to need a straight platoon so that's why I said it, it kind of depends on that. You know, and they covered all the bases. They got guys that can use in a straight platoon, or guys that they could use just to be a, a true fourth outfielder. So we'll see. But he's looking pretty good, Eddie. Eddie has in, on both sides of the field. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it'd be tough for anybody to have eye surgery in the middle of the season. Oh man, <laughs> dude, he, he was literally pitching. I mean, we're watching him at spring training last year, and a couple of balls. And when the season began, a couple of balls, like in the outfield, 
He just missed them entirely. We're like, what? It looked like he never played out there. And then at the plate, he was just whiffing like every other at bat. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't strike out more. Now, once I found out that he couldn't see the ball, you know, he couldn't see. He just, <laughs> so he, he gets retinal surgery. I mean, that's, yeah, you can't play uh, baseball. That, that'd be fun to watch, to watch a guy try to play with, you know, something like that going on and yeah. the details, but nobody else knowing them and just watch people scratch their heads when you can't catch a basic fly ball. You know, if you're, if you're the guy, you probably wait because you're thinking, okay, this is going to heal itself. So you don't say anything initially. You never dealt with it before. You probably think, I, I scratched it on something and it'll heal itself. Yeah. And he's probably terrified. He's like, oh, my God, I can't play. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to, he's one of those guys that don't want to come out of the lineup, though. So, but anyway, it's just amazing he did what he did considering, considering yeah. what he's playing with. I mean, that's like maybe the only thing probably worse than, uh, for, for a, for a uh, outfielder, for a baseball player, a hitter, that's probably the only thing worse than having a bad wrist is having bad eyes. <laughs> oh, eyes! I mean, yeah, you can't play baseball with bad eyes. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got in the cage against 80 miles an hour like, a week ago. There's some high school kids working at this facility I was at, and they're like, "You want to jump in?" They're like, "What do you What do you want me to put it at?" You know, for the speed, and I was like, "Shit, I haven't hit in you know 15 years off a of line." Quick at bats, I said, "Put it on 80." And I was, I'll just, I'll just rank 80 for a second. You know, yeah. Swings in, and it, I was, I was fouling balls off basically. <laughs> I was like, "You guys, put it at 97." There's no way that's 80. 80 so, you know, it's that stuff's important. I, mean, I, I think every stadium should just have a. Yeah, you can jump in and face ninety five. <laughs> once you face it and you see it, how fast it is. Yeah, everything makes so much more sense. You know why it could be impossible with a bad eye to hit ninety five with the movement today's pitching going. Man, if you go to a batting cage and you put and you haven't played at a high level at all, and you put that thing on eighty five. You're like, holy shit, people hit 100 miles an hour? Oh, that's how I left. And, you know, I, I should know better than anybody. But, I, yeah. you know, I played catch with Kimbrell every day. I mean, he, he'd let it eat. He, you know, he's probably throwing 85, 90 to me sometimes on flat ground. But yeah. I'm just catching it with a glove, not trying to put a bat on it. And it was like the ball just it, it just exploded on me. It's 80 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's like 80. That's Danny Moyer was throwing 80, and, it, and guys were so early on it and so ready for that. You know, it's you see 80, and you think it's just ooh, and then you actually get in the cage against it, and it's like, holy shit, that's actually kind of fast. And then you imagine 90, 95, 100, trying to hit Strider's fastball. <laughs> trying to hit Strider's fastball that looks like it's coming up at you. This is basically out of a machine, you know, like perfect right spin a little uphill. Yeah. <laughs> I would encourage anybody that, because uh, obviously you're all subscribers, read. If you did not read Eno Saris's story about Strider and his two, you got to read it because it will explain so much to you. And you'll be, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen long interviews with Strider, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. This guy's special, man. I mean, he is really smart. I mean, like, really smart. And he's broken it down. He knows exactly what he's doing out there. I don't want to say he knows more than a pitching coach, 
but he, in some aspects, he might. <laughs> so, I mean, this guy, he knows what he is doing out there, and he doesn't need anybody to tell him either. I mean, they can obviously help him with the, all the other stuff that goes with, with pitching at this level. But as far as mechanics and what he's doing with his pitches, he spent so much time working on that stuff when he was coming back from TJ. He's a guy that spent every waking hour in a productive way coming back from TJ, whether it be making those quads massive or working on the, uh, uh, the, the, the shape of his pitches and how to get maximum velocity with, uh, with less stress on his shoulder with his, he just, he, 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 it was exactly what you would hope a guy would do. You know, when he's got all that time to work on his craft. I mean, this is a, he's a special guy. He really is. They have the information now too. Yeah. It wasn't, that yep. wasn't an option. Imagine what Greg Maddox would have done with us. Oh yeah. Yeah. Back when Greg threw mid nineties. Yeah. Yeah, he did that. He shaped all those pitches without all the information. The backdoor sliders, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. He didn't need he didn't need an analytics lab to tell him how to do it. Anyway, all right. I think it's been good for this good spring for the Braves so far. We're only halfway through it though. Uh, it's, it, it gets interesting, like in another week, when you start having the, the main guys play, you know, most of the games and get four bats, and you have your pit, your starters going five to six innings. Uh, that's when, it, and you're using all your main relievers. Like McHugh hasn't even pitched in a game yet, but he's been throwing on the backfields. Because Snit, that's another thing Snit does. He gives his veteran pitchers all the option of, of facing guys on backfields, doing their live pitching back there early in spring, and it gives them a chance to look at all the other guys that are competing for spots in games against competition. But he gives the veterans that that uh, option and says, "Let me know when you want to pitch in a game." So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, if I was in that position, the last I'd want my last three or four. It's like, uh huh. All right, let's go ahead and <laughs> throw Mike Trout in there or somebody that can yeah make me pay if I suck because you, some of those games you wind up the backfield, you wind up pitching the A ball, double A guys. But yeah, you know, for the most part, if you know somebody's on the team, you get way more value seeing the guys right you're unsure about face legitimate leaguers than vice versa. Right, and and McHugh and those guys, they still, I mean, he's got time. To make yeah. what five or six appearances? Yeah, there's so much time. Yeah. So, anyway, and same thing for Mentor. He just made his first appearance the other day, so you don't worry about him. Not at all. All right. Somebody asked how Zuna's looked this spring. Not very good, to be honest. But good enough, I guess. You know, they're not gonna. They're not gonna make. In other words, they're not gonna make those decisions based on what he does this spring. They're just not. You know, they're gonna give him. Snit's already said he's on the team. Now, how much he plays is going to de- that's going to depend on how he performs. But because they're not going to tell Snit you got to play him, but he's going to give him the op- they're going to give him the opportunity this spring to get together to get it together so that he can do something. You know, when the season starts, um, they're not going to make it unfair for him. You know, they, they expect him to, to go out there and rake without playing in the spring. So. He's playing a lot. He made the or he was the only veteran that made the trip over to the west to the east coast, uh, uh, Florida's east coast for the for the for the overnight game. He's the only veteran that made that trip <laughs> that they made make that trip. But um, I mean, overall, he's in good shape. But no, nah, he hadn't done much so far. But it's early. We'll see. All right, Eric, you still there? Yeah, sorry, it was it was cutting out, but oh, I think, uh, all right. I think Cam all right. said we're good to wrap. All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it, everybody.
Thanks for uh, taking part in this thing. We'll do a regular podcast next week. 755 is real. We are out. Thanks. Right.